0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are in the world, welcome back to The Caring Economy with me, Toby Usnick. Today's guest is Dan Mendelson. Dan is now the CEO of Morgan Health, which is an incredibly exciting initiative at J.P. Morgan Chase, which we're going to talk about. He was previously the founder and CEO of Avalier, the healthcare advisory company based in DC. Uh, and has also served in other positions throughout his amazing career, including a stint with the Clinton White House. So uh, with no further ado, I want to welcome you, Dan, to The Kerry Economy. My pleasure
1: to be here, Toby, thank
0: you. So Dan, we always start off by asking our, our guests to tell us a little bit about their career journey. No one got where they got by themselves, we know. Um, and in particular, I'm always interested in the pivots. Why did you go left when others went right? Or when you stumbled, how did you pick yourself up? Were there mentors involved? That kind of thing. So take a few minutes, Dan, if you would, and tell us a little bit about who Dan Mendelssohn is and how he got where he got.
1: <laughs> That's a great question. So um, first I did my undergraduate work in music at Oberlin and um, majored in viola performance. And uh, when I, graduated, I started working as a freelance musician in Boston and enjoyed, you know, a few years of doing that, but quickly came to the realization that that was just not going to be my career. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, part of it was that I went into music because I loved self-expression and I was a decent viola player, but not great. And um, came to that realization and the realization that the decent viola player is the person who does exactly what the conductor tells him or her to do. And so that was just not going to work you. for me. Um, and my my first professional mentor was, uh, was a guy named Bill Schwartz, who was a professor of medicine at Tufts. And he took me in. I actually started doing a lot of uh, computer and analytic work for him because I had some skills in those areas. And he was in health policy and did fascinating work. and um, That relationship was really core. He was a very demanding uh, boss in a lot of ways um, and difficult in some ways, but we had a fantastic relationship and we co-authored a lot of work over the years and really developed a, you know, kind of a classic mentorship relationship where I was doing a lot of very hard work and he was providing guidance and it worked really well. So he definitely helped helped orient me.
0: And then how did you go from there on to other Great places, including the White House,
1: went back and did a master's in public policy at the Kennedy School, which was local and and uh, it worked for me and and it was a great school and then um, started in in healthcare consulting um, did that for for many years and and um, was at a firm called the Lewin Group where I had another wonderful mentor. Um, another, another gentleman who's since passed away, uh, Larry Lewin was just a very creative and thoughtful uh, and sometimes a reverent uh, consultant, but very good at what he did. Um, so he really helped me and then, you know, subsequently uh, became a friend and, and um, in 1998, um, after uh, President Clinton had signed the balanced budget bill, they had a really hard time finding Democrats to, um, to come in because, you know, like Robert Reich will tell you that they sold out the left, um, but there were obviously various views on that um, I have a very centrist tendencies and Democrat with centrist tendencies and, you know, was was very supportive of what they did in the balanced Budget Act, particularly the part where they actually balanced the budget. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and then they also made various reductions in payments in Medicare, which I supported because I thought they were justified. Um, so then they were casting around to find somebody to the healthcare portfolio and I was interested at that point in a in a pivot and Mm -hmm. um was fortunate enough to to um link up with that group and I was a relative unknown on the hill which really helped them because I didn't come in with one or another political um proclivity and um it was at a point in time where there was a republican house and senate so it was very important for them to have somebody who was going to be viewed as you know a democrat but relatively politically neutral and those were great years. Um, we insured 10 million children through um, a, a health insurance expansion, the Children's Health Insurance Program. Uh, we did a lot of really important work on um, disease surveillance. Um, established the first emergency stockpile of, um, of uh, antibiotics uh, to protect uh, this country against uh, threats of, of anthrax. And they were, you know, it was a, a great crew and. And a very productive couple of years. Mm-hmm.
0: Yet healthcare remains such a complex and debated issue. You you term off at the White House and then and then what next?
1: So, you know, I wanted to I wanted to work in a place that was mission-oriented, close to pol- politics, but not lobbying, because I I really never wanted to advocate in that way. Mm-hmm. And um did not find anything to fit the profile. So I decided to start my own group. And um, so Avalier was born and it started up as a, as a, um, you know, me in my house (laughs) and, um, you know, grew it over, over the years. Um, Took in uh, minority investment in, in um, 2008 uh, and sold then 40% of the company to uh, a firm called ABS Capital. And the, really the focus was very objective analytic research um, that was data-based to help further health system progress. And um, we did a lot of consulting. We did analytic work that underpinned, um, you know, some of the the care management software that ultimately uh, is being sold today. Um, And we also did a lot of syndicated research. And so grew that company uh, over the course of 15 years, and then finally sold it to a public company, Innovalon Holdings, in 2015. Stayed on for three years uh, to effect a transition. And, you know, that, was, that experience was great. And, you know, I'll say the best thing about Avalier is the people. It's a very um, mission-oriented group. It's a group that uh, cares deeply about, about, you know, kind of one another. And uh, the culture was really a very
0: positive thing. I'm wondering if in your time at the White House, you interacted with uh, Christine Heenan at all, who's now, she's uh, at Pioneer, the, the parent company to Moderna, but she had earlier on and worked in the administration. And then she's been on the show. I'll send you a link to her interview. She's fantastic. A lot of um, great people there. Yeah. So... Uh, was it at Avalair then that you did the collaboration with uh, Berkshire Hathaway and Amazon, or that came? No, that wasn't me. So, so uh, I was
1: actually an observer of that. So, okay. you know, back in, in, um, I, I guess it was probably around 2015, mm-hmm. um, J.P. Morgan Chase entered into a partnership with Berkshire and Amazon mm-hmm. uh, called Haven, and that group uh, I was not affiliated with it. I did comment on it in the press, interestingly enough, and, um, did you say? <laughs> well, frankly, I expressed some skepticism that it was going to work, um, because, uh, the governance structure was, was difficult, you know, they had three companies, each of which wanted something very different. And, um, that was really how, how I saw it from the outside,
0: but I was not involved in it at all. Mm-hmm. So so it does, it did sort of wind down. And yet here we are today, it seems like there were lessons learned there. I think very highly of Jamie Dimon and JPMorgan Chase. I suspect that he in part hired you, they hired you because of what they learned during that exercise. They're not giving up that fight to try and find more, I don't know, a better solution to providing health healthcare. And so, so what happened? How did they bring you in? Well, look, you know, Haven Haven
1: disbanded, but all of the problems of the healthcare system did not go away. So, um, I think uh, one thing about Jamie is that he is very driven and doesn't quit. And so, um, yes, he was interested in kind of continuing to pursue it, as was the company. This is not a a um, you know an exercise that is. Just a, a project of one individual within the bank. It's, uh, I think, it goes back to a very a deeply held view that um, JPMc's a leader, and that leadership entails both taking risks as well as, you know, kind of diving into the most pressing issues of the day. And look, we are in a world where where healthcare really needs to be better. Costs is going up. Uh, there's a lack of accountability for quality. Mm-hmm. Um, even people who have insurance are often have a lot of difficulty navigating the system. So, you know, all of those issues remain. Uh, I think that the primary lessons that were learned from Haven one simplified governance is necessary to accomplish anything. I think that's uh, pretty basic. Um, there was also, though, I think uh, a desire to build things from scratch. That takes a really long time. Um, our model is a partnership model. We look for and find great partners to, uh, to work with us to achieve our objectives. Um, and our objectives are, are clear. You know, we are trying to drive improvements in outcomes. And that might be better cholesterol levels, more cancer screenings, um, you know, a, uh, a, a world where patients with diabetes are really cared for uh, on a proactive basis to keep their A1Cs in check. So quality is the first thing. Um, the second thing is cost, because cost is going up and, and care is becoming unattainable, particularly for a lot of middle, lower income people. So that's kind of a second area that we're very attended to. And then the third, very importantly, is health equity. Um, our healthcare system is really marked by a, a lack of equity, and it's by race, by ethnicity, uh, and along a number of other dimensions. So that's an area that we're exploring very aggressively, and every partnership that we do will, in some way, in a very
0: concrete way, address health equity concerns. So, Dan, can you give us uh, some examples of the types of partners that you're working with? Are they providers? Are they manufacturers? Are they pharma?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, we we chartered the organization in the in the um, in the spring, and we announced it uh, on in uh, the end of March and, um, I'm sorry, in the end of May. And we announced our first transaction uh, in, in August. And the way, the way it works at Morgan Health is that we have an allocation of $250 million from the balance sheet to, to invest to achieve the objectives that I just laid out, quality, cost, and health equity. Um, and our intention is that every project that we do is gonna touch in some way on all three of those dimensions. So the first transaction that we did uh, was a minority investment in a company called Vera Whole Health. And Vera's a really interesting company. They focus on employer markets exclusively. Um, they have goals of improving quality and reducing costs and improving health equity. So very congruent with, with us. And then in addition, they came in with a partnership with a really outstanding primary care practice in Columbus, Ohio. And that's relevant to us. Because we have 38,000 employees and dependents in Columbus, mm-hmm. so we want to improve their care. And with a partnership that included Vera and Central Ohio Primary Care, uh, we are in a position to be able to do that. So we will launch that program on 1122, uh, and then on 1123, Vera is going to be fully responsible uh, for the cost of our population in Ohio. So it's going to be a progressive uh, relationship and one that we'll work on quite actively uh, as a part owner of Vera. So that's a great example of a a partnership. I'll give another one, though, because I think we don't necessarily have to invest capital to achieve our goals. So um, we are right now in the process of initiating a partnership with Kaiser Permanente. Mm -hmm. As you know, know, kind of class-leading, uh, health healthcare organization based in California and um, they've been focused on health equity for quite some time. We made Kaiser available as an option to our employees uh, and it's actually going to start on 1 122. And as part of that discussion, they agreed to work closely with us both to identify uh, I- any inequities that might exist in our populations and to address them explicitly uh, on a going forward basis. And so, that's another kind of partnership that, that we will be entering into, which does not necessarily involve ownership.
0: And how, I know you're not a Kaiser Permanente employee, but how does Kaiser Permanente really address the issue of healthcare equity?
1: One, one of the really interesting things about Kaiser Permanente is that it's a very data-rich environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so one, one of the problems, frankly, that employers have is it's difficult to actually get information about what is happening Uh, to your insured population at any level of granularity. Mm -hmm. Um, Kaiser, on the other hand, has very deep data uh, because they have a consistent electronic medical record and because the assets are all owned, provider assets are all owned by the the organization. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so, you know, it's really the way that they do it is by leveraging data to identify the issues and then to address them with interventions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I want to know whether uh, there is a difference by race and ethnicity with respect to cancer screenings. And if there is, I want to address that. National data will show that that there are disparities and, in particular, that Black employees tend to have fewer cancer screenings than white
0: employees. And that's something that I believe we can fix. Mm -hmm. And, so uh, in Ohio, you have one partner, and in, in uh, California, you said Kaiser Permanente. But is the Kaiser Permanente offer to all of your population, employee population across the U.S. or just California for now?
1: So one thing about healthcare is that it really is very regional. Um, yeah. So Kaiser is in Cal- is really strong in California, not so much in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> and so yeah. in Columbus, we're building it with Vera uh, and. We will take a very practical approach we want to give our employees options and we want options to be available for all employers in the marketplace everything that we do is going to be scalable in other words it's not just for us it's also for the market as a whole so even this relationship with kaiser uh, we would love to see other employers enter into similar relationships with them because we think it's important
0: yeah, uh, I want to stick with that, but first I have to do a shout out to my home state of Ohio. I am a Buckeye. I'm glad you went to Oberlin. <laughs> I'm glad. Here we you- go. Great testing there. Are you from Ohio, or how did you pick Oberlin?
1: No, just a great music school and a and yeah.
0: a, a very kind of inclusive environment and one that I felt very comfortable in. Agreed. It's it's uh it's quite a state. I'm proud of. It. Um. So in the concept of scaling, Dan. Uh, so. What you build at Morgan Health will remain yours, you're just hoping that the learnings will lead to a scaling with other parts of the country with other businesses or will you somehow, maybe one day, make it a a division of JP Morgan chase that can actually offer the service to non employees. Well, you know, it's it's a
1: it's a wholly owned division of of JPMorgan Chase uh, for starters. Mm-hmm. Um, but our mission is broader than just the uh, JPMorgan Chase employee base. Um, our goal is to drive innovation for 150 million Americans who get uh, insurance through their employers, and we're doing that through investment and through partnerships. And so everything that we do will be scalable. So the Vera Relationship that we're that we're building the the full risk model that we build will be available to everyone in Columbus, um, all employers in Columbus, and you know it's my hope and expectation that when we start to announce more of the details of that partnership, there's going to be a lot of interest in it because mm-hmm. it'll it'll be an alternative. Um, and then um, I'd say that that you know it's because it's that's our our goal uh, and because time is short. Um, because, you know, if you want to accomplish anything, you got to, you got to start doing it at the very beginning. Um, we've, we've really disciplined ourselves to make sure that everything that we do is applicable, not
0: only to us, but nationally. Mm -hmm. And, and who are some, you spoke at the beginning, Dan, about the challenges of, of, uh, Washington and, um, that you're a centrist. I too am a Democrat with centrist tendencies, uh do you have allies in washington that are helping you to champion this we do but we are essentially a non
1: we are a non-political organization mm-hmm. we just want we just want to improve healthcare and so uh, i'd say that look there there are a whole range of views on healthcare interestingly you know there's not a lot of legislation that focuses on employed populations most of the legislation that you will hear about including you know in the current reconciliation debate is about medicare or medicaid or the exchanges and those are important um, uh, aspects of the insurance system but not the ones that we are focused on we're focused on the employed population the administration has been very supportive of what we have done and we've had a lot of conversations with them and i'd say there's a there's a group within uh the centers for medicare and medicaid services called the centers for medicare and medicaid innovation it's kind of a mouthful but it's, it's really kind of the innovation shop that focuses on the public programs, and it's run by a wonderful person named Liz Fowler, uh, who's doing a great job with it and really engaged. And so we're in very close touch with her, and those are you know good relationships for us to have because there's a lot of complementarity between what is being done
0: uh, in Medicare and what we're trying to do. Uh, again ladies and gentlemen today on the caring economy we have Dan Mendelson with us he's the CEO of Morgan Health a really bold new initiative at JP Morgan Chase uh, Dan I wanted to ask you about the uh, the demographics of your employee population and how they approach you so to speak does it does the average employee at JP Morgan Chase have uh, a different approach a different expectation of you, depending on how old they are, or where the country, where they are in the country, or what part of the bank they work in, or are there any sort of um, generalizations you can make about the employee population?
1: It's a very diverse population, and the aspect of diversity varies by geography. You know, so uh, for example, we have uh, a larger black population in Columbus than we do in California, and in California, we have. Uh, a mu- much larger Latinx population. And so the type of diversity that we have will vary uh, by geographic location. Um, some of the locations like Columbus, Ohio are call center operations and very functional jobs. And then, you know, you have your stereotypical classic investment bankers in, in, uh, in Manhattan, you know? So, so the answer is yes, different populations have different needs. Uh, we have a very progressive benefit uh, financially. So. Uh, the the less money you make, the richer the um, the benefit is, and and that's that's great. You know, I didn't know that coming in, and that's exactly the way you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one one aspect that I think is um, is something really to be to be proud of. Um, but just because you have a generous benefit does yeah. not necessarily mean that it's going to be meeting your health needs. And mm-hmm. so you kind of go back to this idea of cancer screenings. And even if a cancer screening is free, that doesn't necessarily mean that someone's gonna go in uh, and get that screening unless yep. unless a case is made to them in a language that they understand and appreciate uh, that they need to go do that.
0: Yeah, um, I'm reminded of that old saying, you've made a horse to water, you can't make it drink. So you can offer it to your employees, but I guess you have to do a lot of education and engagement um, at least once a year, right? Yeah, I mean, look, it has to be more than once a year, and
1: yeah, you know, you, I, I the the saying is uh, kind of a, a tried and true saying, but you know, if if you communicate in language that somebody understands, they're much more likely uh, to act on that, and yeah. so uh, I think a lot of the healthcare communication that we have is oriented towards towards um, education levels. Uh, and is culturally uh, perhaps not as sensitive to some communities. And so, you know, you really have to meet people where they are. And a lot of what we are doing is making sure that that, that we're doing
0: that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think also leadership is critical here, and as I've said many times on this program, I'm a big fan of Jamie Dimon, having met him and his wife on a few occasions. Um, leadership is a great way to model behavior. And so I wonder how Jamie is with all of this. Is he out talking it up, not just to investors, but to employees or?
1: Yeah, he's very, he's very engaged in this. And that that's been great. Um, Cares deeply about it. He's passionate about it. Uh, He uh, really feels passionately that, that a very high level of care should be available to all employees, not only of JPMc, but also nationally. And he sees the limitations of the current system, while also celebrating its successes. I mean, look at what we did with with uh, the COVID nineteen vaccine in this country—unbelievable! Um, mm-hmm. And you know that's something to be proud of. And you want to make sure that that you know you're going to be ready for the next pandemic. And then at the same time. Uh, if you have populations where and you see these big disparities in terms of of C-section rates and cancer screenings and stuff like that by race, that's wrong, and the you screens, have to you have to yeah. be able to mm-hmm. to dig into that. And so, um, you know, Jamie has not only been supportive but also has led on it. Um, he's gotten a lot of questions from employees at town hall meetings uh, about this initiative, which has been great. There's a lot of interest, and so you know, it's. Uh, They're they're difficult problems, and
0: I know that we'll be at it for a long time. Um, You know, you mentioned sort of uh, working across the US, but what about your global business? I've done a lot of things with Jing Sung out in Hong Kong. How does, Mm -hmm. I I guess this isn't even in the foreseeable future that you would try and do something globally because the nature of healthcare is so specific to regions and and states. Or am I wrong?
1: We're going to start, no, you're exactly right. I mean, we're going to start by focusing on the US. Uh, the exception to that is that to the extent that we find interesting technologies that might have been invented, or you know companies mm-hmm. that have been started elsewhere, that's fine. You know if they're if they're um, great tools that should be brought into this market, uh, we can certainly invest in them. So there's nothing there's nothing preventing us uh, from diving in transnationally, but I think w- one of the other lessons of Haven, is that if you focus, you will succeed. If you try, if you're too broad, mm-hmm. uh, it you're you're likely not to succeed in an area like healthcare. So, our first focus is um, advanced primary care and coordinated care, and then uh, we hope to move on to care navigation, which is how you help your employees navigate through the healthcare system. Those are our two major areas of focus right now. So, we're staying away from medicare, medicaid, international. Like there's all sorts of healthcare investment that we are passing on right now because we will remain disciplined
0: so we can actually accomplish something. Good for you. You're a good hire, I can tell. So, uh can you sort of prognosticate beyond just uh Morgan Health about trends we might be seeing continuing or diminishing in healthcare nationwide? Sure. I mean, look, we we um one thing that
1: is becoming increasingly clear is that technology is becoming a lot more accessible uh, and we need to make that technology uh, more accessible to to people. Um, So you have kind of a wiring of the clinical enterprise but that has not yet translated back uh, to to consumers. And so that's something that uh, we're watching very carefully and seeing interesting companies in that space. Mm -hmm. Um, I talked about accountability in care. And that's really having uh, a clinical enterprise be responsible for care for a population. And uh, to me, that's a very important trend. And you see it in Medicare, you see it elsewhere. Uh, we want to bring that into the um, into the uh, employee population as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Very cool. Dan Mendelson, I want to give you the last word today on The Caring Economy. Any words of inspiration or advice, particularly to our young listeners, but maybe even for sort of our older listeners who have been disillusioned, perhaps, or are looking for some inspiration in their career journeys?
1: You know, it's, it's interesting. Coming into this position, particularly because of the failure of Haven, um, there have been a lot of people, including some very dear friends of mine, who have come and said, why are you even trying? Uh, and you know, I take that for what it is, and and um, and I appreciate it. But you know, to me, the fact that the that the problems are really hard uh, is intellectually stimulating. Um, and you know, just because they're hard doesn't mean that we can't um, you know try to to fix them. And I am I am very optimistic about this enterprise for a couple of reasons. First is that. There's very strong support from a class-leading American institution with 200 years of experience and very strong leadership, as you pointed out. Mm-hmm. Um, second, that the problems are getting worse, and there's I think kind of an increasing level of momentum uh, to to address these issues. And then you know finally, what we're doing has not been tried yet, and so we have a novel approach. It's creative. Uh, it's different, and um, we will keep working at it until it succeeds, and so <laughs> part of it is going to be very hard work, um, but I, I am optimistic, and then, oh, I'd say one, one last thing. Yeah, um, we've hired some really wonderful people and have created a very supportive community that um, is very intellectually rigorous and rooted, but um, so, you know, it's, it's demanding in that aspect, but it's also very mutually supportive, and because this is a marathon and not a sprint, we uh, are caring for one another and making sure that that, um, everyone has time with their kids or with their significant others or to do the things that they need to do. And to me, part of being able to succeed is establishing a humane environment uh, where people can really um, be their best and shine. So uh, that's one of the other reasons why I'm optimistic that we will succeed.
0: It's fantastic. It's also practicing what you preach, right? You want people to be healthy and happy in their personal lives and their workplace, not just on the, when they visit the dark.
1: Right. So, and, you know, like there's reality gets in the way, you know, when we're in the middle of a transaction, it's heads down, you <laughs> know, but, but after that's over, there should be the ability to breathe and reconnect. And, you know, so, so we all work hard. Um, but it's also very important to establishing that nurturing relationship and making sure that people are supported.
0: Yeah, well, I think, you know, you are clearly a purposeful person working on a really important project. If someone wants to seek out an employment opportunity with J.P. Morgan or Morgan Health, how should they follow up?
1: Um, listeners are welcome to just shoot me an email, and it's dan.mendelson at jpmchase.com. Uh, we do have a few open positions, and I can also route uh, resumes into the broader J.P. Morgan. Uh, infrastructure as appropriate. And so, um, yeah, I mean, finding good talent is
0: always a a challenge and uh, we'll get it anywhere we can. Cool. You heard it here on The Caring Economy, folks. I want to again thank today our guest has been Dan Mendelson, who's the CEO of Morgan Health. Dan, I hope you'll come back in a year or so and tell us about the latest successes and deals done. Thank you, Toby.